Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great Aunt Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard, and there was no way we weren't gonna do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. To whom it may concern, my thoughts just before the first real college game of my life. The honor of my race, family, and self is at stake. Everyone is expecting me to do big things. I will. My whole body and soul are to be thrown recklessly about the field tomorrow. Every time the ball is snapped, I will be trying to do more than my part. On all defensive plays, I must break through the opponent's line and stop the play in their territory. Beware of mass interference. Fight low with your eyes open and toward the play. Roll back the interference. Watch out for cross bucks and reverse in runs. Be on your toes every minute if you expect to make good. Jack. Welcome to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the known universe. You can find them on the web at deadeyebvq.com. You can find us on the web at thetailgatesociety.com, as well as on Twitter at strength underscore old. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? Doing wonderful. How are you guys? You know, I'm 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 hanging in there. It's been uh, a busy couple of weeks. We've been back and forth between like seven thousand degrees uh, heat uh, per day. To uh, we had like one day where it was only seventy, but then it jumped back up to ninety degrees today, and it was miserable. Uh, I had to change my shirt like three times today. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, hanging in there, visual. I guess. I, don't need that <laughs> I, I was very slowly and seductively changing my shirt, Chris. You can just picture that. Slowly yeah. and seductively. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm here tonight. This is the guest. Yeah, this is what I was expecting. <laughs> Pre apologize uh, for, that, for that content. Oh, yeah, the weather's been crazy. I, uh, I got a new flat top griddle for, for uh, Father's Day. Oh, you did? I love getting that. I did. So, and I've okay. been super stoked. So, of course, the entire week I've been making stuff on it. And yesterday I got home and it was kind of raining. And I was like, shit, all I did was buy stuff to make on this grill. I don't have anything to make in the house. So I checked the weather. 
And there was like a 45 minute window in there where it wasn't raining. And I, I made dinner on it really quick and I was getting ready to clean it and it started raining and started hailing and it was hailing on me and I was out there trying to clean the grill and Caitlin's out there videotaping me. So unfortunately there's a video of me out there trying to finish cooking with hail hitting me, pelting me with my new grill. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, yeah but mean, I mean, I'm, I'm the guest, but I will say, I mean, the fact that you were still out there, you know, that's that's amazing. I mean, I, right? I would be out there too. I mean, <laughs> right? I, I have my flat stone as well. I make fried rice on mine and breakfast. You know, you can make anything on that. Uh, smash burgers. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel your pain. She's like, you you are ridiculous. I was like, listen, I, I thought I had a 45 minute window there. The, the radar looked clear. <laughs> Well, well, perfect. Well, you know, George has already kind of chimed in here. I'm, I'm very excited to have him. But Chris, I will go ahead and let you introduce our guest for this evening. Yeah, man, we are super stoked uh, to have George Trice uh, on the podcast tonight. He is uh, running the foundation of the Jack Trice uh, Legacy Foundation, which is a scholarship fund and former Iowa State graduate. And uh, of course, legacy of the great Jack Trice. And uh, we are super stoked to have you on, George. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for, thanks for hopping with us. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad I can make it and like what you all are doing. I mean, I've been trying to start a podcast myself, but you, I think you stole my name. I love the old man podcast. That's, <laughs> that is, you know, that's like that, that I talk about basketball, the old man game. You know, we still can hit that shot. As long as we're in a set spot, we're not running. We're not jumping. Just give us the ball <laughs> in our spot. And we, we perfected it over the years. So I feel yeah. you. I like it. Yeah, that's right. We had, we had Marcus Pfizer on uh, about a month and a half ago and Marcus was talking about how he plays still against his kids. And I was like, can your, can your kids take you yet? And he's like, no, I can still, I can still shoot. I can still sit out there and range shots. I just can't athletically compete with them, but I can still beat them. So it's kind of the same deal. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, I realized a long time ago that I was far past my athletic prime. Uh, and then, uh, just this past weekend, I was just going for a walk around the neighborhood and I sprained my ankle and I was miserable for like two days. Uh, so literally just going for a walk already is, is too much for me. So I should maybe not play any sports whatsoever. We don't recover well at our age. We don't, we we do not. (laughs) No, we don't. We don't. That is for sure. I played golf last week uh, in a cart for four hours. I came home and take a nap. (laughs) <laughs> and that's fully acceptable that is that's acceptable that's don't right. apologize for that one no no i was recharging that's what my that's what my old man used to say i'm just resting my eyes i'm not really taking a nap oh i love it well uh george again welcome to the podcast thank you very much for for, for joining us um i want to give you a second to, to maybe just tell our, our listeners a little bit about you so um I mean, the floor is yours. All right. Well, again, again, thank you for having me on here. And I will talk about, you know, my being born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. So um, I'm back in Columbus now, but I was born and raised in Cleveland. and um, Cleveland is the city. So I always have to say that when I whenever I talk about Cleveland, Um, came to Iowa State. I actually got recruited to Iowa State and uh, Gene Smith was part of that. um, And now he's at Ohio State. So I keep in touch with him every once in a while. But um, when I say recruited, I never played it down. I, I, uh, the guys were too big. They were, the, the linemen were six, seven, three seventy. I was 300, you know, six, two, that, that wasn't going to work. 
Um, but <laughs> ended up going out to Iowa State. And uh, even though I was there for a span of seven years, I did not go there to get a doctorate. I actually, you know, took some time off and moved to California, thought I wanted to be a chef. And uh, then I uh, came back when uh, California, I couldn't afford it. So I uh, came back and got my degree at <laughs> Iowa State. And, you know, I loved Iowa. I lived in Iowa for about 10 years. Uh, and I, I rep Iowa State, you know, to the fullest, uh, especially with uh, the relationship of, of Jack Trice being a cousin of mine. Moving across the country over the past, you know, 15 years, I've been with Nationwide Insurance uh, for 15 years in Iowa in California and Arizona, you know, my, my roots in Iowa state, I, I led the, started the alumni chapter in Sacramento. I work with the alumni chapter in Phoenix, and now I'm the president of the alumni chapter in Columbus. And so working with the alumni working with the university has always been, been great. Um, and then the love that I got at Iowa state, um, being a relative of Jack Trice, but just, you know, being able to go there, uh, experiencing what Iowa was. People say, what do you do in Iowa? The same thing you do in any college town. You could find something to do. Um, but it, it's where I kind of, I grew up and became an adult there, living there from 18 to 28, you know, in Iowa. That was um, a great experience for me. So um, that's really the background of, of me. I was the first Trice to go to school in 75 years from, from the lineage of Jack Trice and that family side. So when I came into Iowa State in 98, I was actually the first one in years and um, didn't really know much about about Jack Trice and had to do my research but first time I heard of Jack was when I was eight years old uh, my grandfather mm -hmm. and my uncle Chester and my uncle Nelson they were actually flown out to Iowa when the statue was going to be revealed and I was eight and had chicken pox so I couldn't go so I was really the only Trice around that time that really didn't go with the other family members and um, learning from that and uh, that experience of what they experienced, and it was in the Jet Magazine. So I still have copies of, of the Jet Magazine from 88 when they were out there in Iowa. And so that's kind of where I got that first initial push. And then learning more about Iowa State, uh, I will say that Michigan was the only school I was going to go to. Um, and then I ended up, uh, you know, Iowa State came, came through and it actually was a better opportunity for me to go there. Um, but then finding my lineage and finding my connection to Jack Trice and you know, being warm, welcome to Iowa, especially being uh, not from there, uh, not from anywhere near there, but it was, it was a good experience. Did the average student that was there with you kind of make the connection as, as to who you were in the lineage there? And was that something that kind of hard to live up to, do you think? You know, I will say like my soft, so I, I, the story of my sophomore year is, so I used to do the STARS program and I would actually give tours to young kids coming through in third grade, second grade, give them a tour of, of the Jake and of the statue out there. And I would do some of the panels for incoming freshmen. So I would be on the panels for parents and students that were coming and learn more. And of course they have the banner with your name sitting in front of you. The first question asked is not about Iowa State. It's about, hey, George, are you related to Jack Trice? And that's where the conversation went. So it was, you know, I had the, I had the best of both worlds. I was able to, to fit in with the athletes uh, because when I was recruiting to come here, I, I met and stayed with the athletes in the dorms to, to get a sense of what they went through playing on, on the field. Um, but I was also a student, so I didn't have to go through the two a days and beat my body up like they did to get the perks. Um, and I could actually be a student. And so I tried not to use my name, my last name. 
And I had a lot of friends that wanted to use my last name because it helped us to, to get access. Um, and so uh, my friends used my name more, my last name more than I did. But I was on the front page of the uh, of the Ames Tribune and the front page of the uh, uh, the Tribune, uh, the, I, the Ames paper. And so people would knew who I was um, out there at Iowa State. So I couldn't really hide it. I just tried to just really play in a corner. I just wanted to blend in and fit in and, and just see what I could get. But when I wanted to use my perks, I did use my perks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't blame you. Um, you know, I, I grew up as someone that, that, you know, knew that as, as Cyclone Stadium, and then it was eventually Jack Trice Field at Cyclone Stadium. And they still took a while before they, they actually turned around and, and named the stadium after, after, uh, your cousin that, that that they just had left it as Cyclone Stadium, which was a weird kind of vague thing, anyway. Um, but you were probably there, I guess, when they made the change from from Jack Trice Field at, at Cyclone Stadium to actually Jack Trice Stadium, right? No, I actually. So that's where I got my reintroduction to Jack Trice. That was oh, okay. 1997. That was my senior year. Okay. So gotcha. Jack Trice graduated from East Tech High School in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and that's where my mom and all my my, my aunts and uh, uncles went. So they went to East Tech High School, same high school that Jack went to. Um, the next year is the 100th year anniversary of Jack graduating from high school, uh, 2022. Um, but my football coach from high school, every morning I would go, and he was an English teacher, every morning I would go into his room and just sit with him before class started. And then my class was across the hall. And he actually gave me the paper. It was on the, it was on the uh, sports section of the Cleveland uh, Plain Diller. And they were talking about the fact that they were going to rename the stadium to Jack Trice Stadium and move the statue out to that area because the statue when my uncle and grandfathers were out there, that was in the center of campus and where it is today. And so that was my senior year. So as that time went on is when I found out about it because I came out for my visit. I was flown out in February of 98, which was, it was still like near the end of my senior year. And that's when I actually committed was in February of 98 and I graduated at May. Uh, and so it was, it was a uh, humbling. I was there at the ba- one of the basketball games in February. And one of the things I'll always remember about that, uh, it was two things that was very uh, impactful for me. Uh, I was announced on the, the big screen. So I was there with the vice president pro at the time, Tom Hill. Um, and Jeske was down there, um, went to meet with Jeske and Gene Smith when they were at the game. Um, but one of the ushers was an older gentleman, uh, older white gentleman, he came up and he sat next to me when they announced me and he sat there and told me who he was. And I'll never remember his name. You know, I was a young kid, wasn't, was watching the game, but he played with Jack and he sat there and talked to me um, at that time. And I learned about the history of Jack from him Mm -hmm. more than I had anywhere else, just by sitting with him during the first half of a game. Um, And then when I left that game, as I'm walking with uh, the vice president and, um, my mom, we're walking down, everybody's giving me the thumbs up and waving and, you know, it just was that inviting feeling. But that was my senior year that they renamed the stadium and moved the statue. Very Interesting. Cool. Yeah. I bet that was surreal to talk to him. It, it was because, for one, it had been 75 years. Mm-hmm. So this guy was, it was in his early 90s. You know, and still kicking it and just, um, you know, just one of the ushers there, like, you know, showing people when to do something was an Iowa Stater to the core and to sit there and talk to somebody. Um, 
years later, you know, I um, probably about four years ago, I actually touched the jersey of the captain that helped carry Jack off the field. Oh, wow. So I've touched the 100-year moth-bitten hmm. jersey. Um, I know the person who has that, and he's kept care of it. And I've actually been able to actually physically touch that um, and to learn the history and to see some of these artifacts that uh, I had never seen before uh, and never knew existed. You know, it was that was a surreal part. Like, man, this is it's, it's getting getting real. Like, this is this is the this is the real deal right now. Would have never dawned on me that somebody would have something like that. What a what a cool piece of history to to have preserved. Yeah, we've been we've been working trying to get um, some of this stuff into the sports wing of the, um, the Smithsonian African American Museum of Art um, out in D.C. Um, you know, it's just trying to figure out how to get some of this, this memorabilia from that era showcased. And uh, he's been doing a good job trying to follow up. He spent a lot of his money and time to, to get some of these things. And so uh, I'm hoping that he can recoup some of that and, and people get some um, you know, some enjoyment out of it because it's just it's amazing to see that. And again, it'll be 100 years in, in two years mm-hmm. and to still be around uh, and preserved where it actually is. You know, it still has blood stains on it. Like, sure. wow, it, it's 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 never been washed. It's just a hundred years old, and it was, it's a onesie. It, it, it was funny because it's, it's a onesie. You know, it, it's like people don't most people don't know that it, it's it's a onesie. And so it's pretty sweet when you say, "Hey, they played in onesies." Um, so, so, I mean, so it was cool. I, yeah, I I had no idea it was a onesie. That that's kind of uh... <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it, it buckled underneath, you know, sure. it, it had sure. snaps. Well, that couldn't have been I, comfortable. I, nothing they wore probably was comfortable. I mean, <laughs> right. yeah, sure. A leather helmet. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's cool. Uh, and like you said here in about two years, we're, we're going to reach the hundred anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that has been really neat as Iowa state's football has kind of come to new heights to a new prominence that they've never had before is they're getting more national attention, a lot more national games. And so you're hearing the Jack Trice story told uh, all over again and with a new lens and to a national audience in a way that maybe I don't think it's ever been told before. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I was on the road to the, to the uh, final, not the right road to the final four, the road to Atlanta for the, the championship. So mm-hmm. I was showcased on CBS. Uh, ESPN came to the house and I was uh, showcased on there talking about it. So I was on ESPN and CBS Sports for um, during the, the season last year. Um, it's, I'm glad it's, it's gotten where it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sad of, of how it got there. It took, it took a big tragedy for it to even get the light that it deserved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll be I'll be honest. I hope John Legend listens to your podcast because he ghosted me. Um, I, I reached out to John Legend uh, on Twitter because, you know, if we know about the movie South Side with South Side with me mm-hmm. is a movie um, about Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's first date before when they were congresswomen and congressmen. Mm-hmm. And John Legend put his money up for that. And it was about the one day of their date. That movie took place in one day. Yeah, and I look at and I look at the story of Jack Trice and I look at how someone has not casted me in a movie yet about it, um, but haven't haven't actually made this yet about the story. The story sells itself. And a kid from a farm going to live with his aunt and uncle in Cleveland, his coach going to Iowa State, going to Iowa State facing what he had to face, 
being a martyr and dying from the injury sustained in that game. And then where we are, you know, 75 years later, still dealing with it, 90 years, still dealing with it. And it takes 97 years in order for there to be some start, some change and how his impact on that started. It could have been a catalyst for this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how I look at that. And I say that, you know, I'm glad the traction is getting is getting there because it's a story that needs to be told. Um, and who Jackie went out there, and that's where I started last year because of everything that was going on last year, and it just was the right time, and the iron was hot to to get his message, get his name out there, and make it about more than just football. Oh, for yeah. sure. So, you know, I live up here in the Twin Cities. I live in Minneapolis, uh, which, you know, is one thing for it to be kind of a meaningful thing that I think a lot of people up here didn't realize that story, even though the University of Minnesota, obviously, uh, kind of a key part of that story. Right. Um, yeah. And so the, and so I, for a lot of people to not understand that, um it was eye-opening to a lot of my friends that are Gopher fans and, and learned uh, that whole history. But then, like you said, the, what happened over the last year and realizing that, that here we are, you know, 97, 98 years removed from that event, and uh, we still have these struggles that um, we have to understand. Certainly here in the city that, you know, we, we think we've matured and we've grown and, and we've develop there's still a whole lot to to learn and so to take something like that events and turn it into something that is a a teachable moment that uh people can reflect on and and understand the importance of and still apply it to what is going on today for sure yeah and it was it's and you know i, I thought it might have got more traction honestly about about 12 years ago I think we played in the insight.com bowl and that was in 2009 against Minnesota. I was at the, I was at yeah. the game. I, and I, I was at a bar here in Minneapolis uh, <laughs> shouting really loudly, obnoxiously. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was there cause that was new year's Eve. So everybody was just still in shorts and Iowa state gear uh, right around the area. They, they blocked off the streets, but you know, as, as people were leaving, they were chanting Jack's ghost has been revenge. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were talking about that because that game was against Minnesota. And it just happened to be like, hey, you know, we're, we avenged Jack by winning against you today. And yeah. that was kind of the sentiment back there in 2009. Um, I think that's when it was. But, yeah, that was, um, you know, why did it should have got traction back then. It didn't. Uh, but now it's getting it now. Well, it's a shame that something like George Floyd's death or whatever needs to happen in order for more of these things to come to light. And, and now all of a sudden – it's the hot topic to want to look at. That's unfortunate for me. I, I think a good example is, is Juneteenth. I, I'll be completely honest in that I had no idea what that was until last year. And that's just not right. And I think there's a, you know, if we want to get deep into it, we're seeing these laws now being passed that, 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 that schools now shouldn't be teaching certain aspects of history because it's embarrassing and we're going to lose that. I, we would never know some of those things without being able to do that. And that I, that's just a terrible thing that we're it, going to try to sweep that under the rug. You, you mean you're, you're a hundred percent right. Um, 
And my personal opinion is you can't erase history. What happened happened. The Confederate flag was there. The statues of these leaders that they're trying to take down the names of these schools, they're there. Um, but Juneteenth is also there. Um, black people are also there. And so teaching all the history, but not selective on the history. And that's what we've been taught growing up is the selective part of history. You know, I, I think about Black History Month and um, when I lived in Iowa and even a few years after, um, kids would call in to learn more about Jack Trice. And I was featuring a lot of kids videos for Black History Month about Jack Trice in mm-hmm. Iowa. Kids called me all the time. The, the athletic department gave my number out like it was candy to kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate them for me to, to be able to, to, to teach some kids. And one of the kids almost made it to like the finals in BC with the story that she did. Um, and I wish I, I wish I still kept in contact with some of those kids, but you know, it, it, you know, you do think about it. it took that tragedy for this light to come, but this has always been a part of history and we have to teach it all. And I, you know, I, it's a lot of people that just don't, Iowa people are so different. Y'all are not nosy. Y'all are, <laughs> if you don't know somebody, you want to know somebody. And that's right. the thing is like, I would go to small towns like Tama. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take, take, take Tama out of it. Uh, Cedar Rapids or like, <laughs> or Carroll, Iowa. And people would ask me like, Hey, who, who are you? I'm like, I'm George. I'm with this person. They're like, Oh, well, we've never seen you around here before. So what's your story? And it's like, they're not, they're not, they just want to know. They want to talk. And people just don't talk and learn. And so when you have these, these events that happen and for people to want to learn and want to talk and, and want to um, feel encouraged to buy these things, you just gotta, you gotta have those conversations and it takes everything that makes history up. We are not Asian Americans because we, we were here from the beginning. And you, know, you think about um, an Asian American some, or someone who was not born in the United States comes and gets their green card. They are now, whatever they are, hyphen American because they've now become part of our society, but they're not from here. And I think that it's, you know, you can't take black history and say it's separate. It's just, it's, it's weaved in between all it's, of history. It's, it's history, but, but it, there's, there's a lot that like we haven't been taught. Right. So you talk about, you know, I, I don't know what your experience was growing up in, in Ohio. I can certainly tell you growing up in Iowa, black history was Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but it wasn't, uh, the Tulsa race massacre of 1921, right? It wasn't, I, I had no idea about black wall street until right. uh, I was well out of college. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, Tulsa race massacre in 1921. So two years before, you know, Jack was killed on the field. Like, yeah, we're coming up on a hundred years, but it also isn't that long ago. And And so for us to be, um, not taught these things and for people to be afraid to teach these things going forward is just puzzling to me. You know, my, my, my opinion is like you, you teach the easy stuff in school. You teach the stuff that sheds a, a good picture of our dominance of the USA being the number one country, being a mm-hmm. strong nation. Mm-hmm. You, you, you always tout that just like, you know, I mean, in your family, you don't, 
you don't tout that uncle that's always drunk at the barbecue. I do sometimes because <laughs> he's funny. But you, you gonna, try to, I was going to say, that, you, that's Chris, yeah. actually. That, so. was, that was last week. That was last episode. We did that last episode with my family. Yeah, my family. You, you don't always tout that, that um, the, the downside of the, of the, of the family. Mm-hmm. You want to keep that in private doors. And I right. think that's where the curriculum of school has been taught. And that's why you don't get that unless you take a, a Black history course. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you're not the only one. I'm not from Texas. So Juneteenth was not big to me growing up. I didn't know much about it until I started working really for Nationwide and started learning more about, we have a San Antonio office and learning about, you know, the group. I'm the president of one of our associate resource groups for for Black associates at Nationwide. And I learned about it like 12, 13 years ago. And I've been with Nationwide 15 years. And and that's the thing is that it's not taught in our homes either um, because... Unless you're, I mean, unless your parents are, are part of that, that historical. Oh, George, I, I think we, I think we lost your audio. We got you now. You have me now. Oh, okay, there we go. All right. Sorry, I don't know what happened. I think maybe I hit a button or something. Oh no, I'm, I'm sure you were making a very salient point, and it. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back and just I'm gonna point like this. <laughs> yeah, just rewind it, and then I'm just gonna point. Okay. Right. Perfect. Okay. Cool. Um, but what I'm saying is that we don't we don't talk about that either when you think about, you know, what is taught in the home, unless you really are part of his uh, part of like teaching history. Our parents don't really know, didn't know much about that either. and didn't teach much of that in the home. Like mm-hmm. they may have assumed growing up that we were taught that in school because that's what school was for. But they didn't think they had to. But then growing up now, you have to teach your kids about these things because my son can read and he see he's eight years old. And he sees Black Lives Matter. He can read. What is Black Lives Matter, Daddy? Like, what does that mean? And so having to explain all this stuff to the kids now, I mean, I'm glad it's getting there. Yeah, for sure. I can remember being in a, in history class, and sometimes we were going through lessons or whatever, and I would think to myself, I not that it's slanted, but I wonder what... World War II, I wonder what they teach about World War II in Japan, right? What is their version of, of, of their historical presence and what happened there? Were they the bad guys, you know, or was it, or is it written in a way that they attacked Pearl Harbor because of certain provocations that the United States did that we may not know that actually may have happened? I don't know for sure. I'm just using that as an example. So it, all those things, everything that we learn here is, is twisted and sent to us in a certain way and that you have to be able to look through that and be able to research and understand all aspects of, of, of certain issues. Does that make sense? It does, but we're lazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, well, I mean, you mean you, when, no. you really, really, when you really think about it, I mean, if something's important to you, and, I, and, I, and I, this is going to be one of the controversial topics. I'll say. That's all right. Bill Cosby or um, R. Kelly, mm-hmm. they do some they do some dumb crazy stuff. Right, good music, a good actor, they do some dumb stuff. There are things that have been brought to light. If you think about other actors or entertainers that their business is not put out in the streets, or you think about we don't know everything about you don't know everything about me. I could have a dark past. I don't, but I could. But we don't know that, and until we have that conversation to conceive. What is what all those things are linking us 
Um, you know, we are never going to know the full truth. So we pick and prod at these certain things to bring certain things to light, but it's never going to be the 100% picture. And until we start to dig in and try to find out, well, you say this happened, but there's always three sides. Let me dig in a little bit better because you could think that, like I used to think Bob Saget was the holiest person in the world. That's the dad from Full House. <laughs> right. And I saw him in stand-up. I said, oh, this dude is crazy. Like, yeah. that is not Bob Saget from Full House. He's hilarious, but it's not Bob Saget. You don't know because that's the, that's the version of him that we see from right. the outside. Yeah. And then other people see Bob Saget, the stand-up comedian, and they're going to have different views based on it and say, oh, that Full House dude is not really him. Or they can say, oh, the stand-up comedy is not really him because he's just doing that to get more money. He's trying to make fun of all the cuss work. Like, so you just you just have to look at it and like look at it from a whole bunch of different sides to kind of really put it all together to see what is true and what is not. It's just like anything else. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know, that's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I I still, George, I have to give you credit because I did not think that we could tie critical race theory to Bob Saget so seamlessly. (laughs) You never know what you're going to get when you get me on the camera and on the mic. You never know what you're going to get. If you would have known me in college or high school, you just don't know. I'm that wild card. That's why I say, what's off the table? I got that wild card. (laughs) Nothing off the table here. No, I think think that's great. And I, you know, I think the broader point there is that there are things that uh, we miss uh, growing up because maybe the the curriculum just has. I don't even want to say that it has an explicit agenda, but just because you teach what you were taught, right? And so you, I don't think if you don't question what you were taught, you don't question what you're teaching. And you're, that yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and so I think that becomes like a, a self perpetuating. Uh, you know, I mean, I think about the First Nations people in, in this country and, and how um, we talk about the rise of our nation and the history of our country, and that goes back 250 years. It doesn't go back, you know, 400, 500 years, 600 years, you know, there's a larger, broader history of people that were in this country that we are completely missing out on, but the lens and 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 what we speak through is kind of what we what we teach forward um yeah yeah and so it's 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 hard i guess i i think uh for i get i guess why people don't understand it but it's still frustrating that that they don't take the time but i also know that i'm lazy yeah, people people gotta take think I, i'll do one more analogy my favorite my favorite marvel movie when i'm having a bad day um thor ragnarok Thor Ragnarok, I think, is the best Marvel movie ever. Starts off with Thor in a cage. Oh, no, Thor's in a cage. Like, it's, it's a, you know, you think about that, but I'm, my point is, you know, you get to the point where, um, spoiler alert for people that haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. So, if you have it, shame on you. Mr. <laughs> comes and takes over um, Asgard, and she talks about how Odin was proud of what he had, but not how he got it. And she looks up at the ceiling and it's this new painting of the, the, the Kumbaya and she throws her swords up to knock that down to show what really went on and what was covered up. 
and it shows the destruction and it shows the, the bad and the good. It shows everything there. But you try to cover it up to, to not evoke, you know, panic in people or fear in people. And I think that's kind of where some of our system goes to. They try to put the, you know, the fluff, the fluff filter on. You know, everybody's using that Instagram filter to make it look better than it actually is. But I got a mole right here. You know, I can't cover it up. It's there. And so they try to cover that imperfection up with something that's going to distract you from the, the truth or from digging in any further to say, oh, I accept that because that's what I've been taught for the past 20 years. I haven't gone back 25 years. So, so do you think that's why, you know, you mentioned earlier that you would have thought that Jack's legacy and story would have been taught earlier. Do you think part of why it wasn't told more until here recently is just the, the discomfort by, of it all? Yeah, race is, race is always uncomfortable. To talk, to talk about race is um, one of the most uncomfortable things you can do. Um, it's a very uncomfortable conversation uh, because people don't take questioning out, outside, out of innocence. They, they, take, they, don't, they don't take it out of innocence. Uh, I did my DNA. Before I did my DNA, I knew my family is from slaves. Trice is not a Black, historically African last name. Um, and so I'm 25% in my DNA. 25% of my DNA is not from Africa. Um, Cornwall, UK, you know, and the Netherlands. That's where they migrated from Cornwall, UK. So that's where that, that part comes from. Jack Trice was, was, a, was a son of slaves. So you think about that. You think about when you talk about race and you talk about, um, you know, again, how you got somewhere and on the backs of something. There was no cover up there. They just didn't talk about it because, um, you know, if you have not, you're going to talk about the nine out of 10, nine out of 10 dentists recommend this. Jack was that, <laughs> Jack was that 10, you know, you really, it was, it was nine out of 10 didn't look like Jack. So we're going to talk about the other nine out of 10. Um, but give the man his props because he left it all out there on the field for your school, you know, and at a time when, you know, now athletes are fighting for pay and equal pay and your likeness is getting paid for my likeness on the NCAA game. He wasn't getting any of that. He was working to become, um, to do animal husbandry, to go back down south and teach slaves how to share, ex-slaves how to be sharecroppers. I know he, he had a, a different vision of family, community, and self of what he wanted to do. And so when you want to talk about race, yeah, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a hard conversation because how do you approach it? I had a, I had a guy teach me an efficacy, in an efficacy class for professionals of color at Nationwide. And he talked about, he was bald, but then he talked about when he was in college, he had hair. And he talked about him having an afro, and one of the girls at the mailroom asked to touch his hair. And he said, he looked at her, and he said, sure, you can touch my hair. He had an afro. So she touched his hair, like, oh, it's an afro. She'd never seen one. Had he been rude to her and said, why do you want to touch my hair? That's just rude to ask me to touch my hair. She might have been turned off to talk to any Black person and afraid to talk to a Black person, and, or that if that was an Asian person, they would have been afraid. So by him being open and saying, yes, you, you're inquisitive. You're not like being rude. Here, touch my hair. Be comfortable with me. And if that's going to make you comfortable, let's have that discussion about it after you touch my hair. But we got to have those conversations. And, you know, it just, it, it wasn't the right time. You know, Iowa State was a pioneer in being the first and only school Division One football program to have a stadium named after a Black person. It, that was there. They've always done stuff behind the scenes with Jack Trice and his name um, and uh, 13 with the, the throwback jerseys with Nike. They started doing that back 
back in the day, um, the Jack Trice Club, they, they've done these things and they've always supported him and, and his legacy. Um, but they have a new platform and a new responsibility now because the students fought for that for so long to get us to where we are. The events of 2020 helped to catalyze this and we got to bring all that together. And Iowa State, it has to hit the 2019-23 year with a bang. And I have a meeting tomorrow with the, uh, I'm on the commemorative committee working on things for 2023. So please stay tuned for some things that are becoming um, soon. I can't reveal those because they'll probably kick me off the panel, but there's a lot of things coming in 2023 that we're doing to commemorate that. And, you know, I'm going to be doing some things with East Tech High School this coming year because this would have been Jack's senior year, him graduating next year. So East Tech High School up in Cleveland, I'm going to be working with some students there help them learn about Iowa State, maybe help some of them go to Iowa State. Well, I think what, to Tim's point earlier, it's with the team itself and the football program itself being at the highest levels that it's been ever, there's much more eyeballs on that. And they have, I think, a bigger responsibility now to do that story justice and, and to not just do it justice, but to promote it even more because this is the platform and the chance to do that. There's no better chance now than, than in the next few years. There's not, and it can't just be the, the, the five sentence, the five word sentence that they talk about at every game. Oh, right. welcome to yeah. Iowa state, Jack Trice stadium, the only stadium named after. Okay. Let's get to the game. They, I mean, and it's not, it's not Iowa state doing that. It right. is, it's, I mean, it's the media doing that, but they have to make that, that story come to life every year. Um, to, to get it traction. And you're absolutely right. And especially, you know, we're, we're poised to be very good in football this year. And if we, um, they expand it, we have an even better shot. If they expand it to 12 teams, like they've been talking about, you know, that gives us even, even more um, opportunities to get up there and compete for that, that national championship. But, um, you know, with our platform, with a coach like Matt Campbell, um, you know, and, and him being as, as involved in the community and with the with the Iowa State legacy and Iowa State as it is, it's, it's going to be great this year. Oh, and you imagine the eyeballs of a home first round playoff game in Jack Trice Stadium <laughs> in December, right? I mean, the optics yeah. of that and how amazing that would be. Um, that would be pretty special. Yeah. Uh, that would that would be that would be phenomenal. Um, I'd I'd be there. I mean, I'm I'm probably I'm going to I'm going to two through three games this year for sure. And I'm trying to I'm trying to I've never been to uh, Oklahoma, so I'm trying to get that at Oak, down to Oklahoma for that game because I've never been. Uh, but I'm three hours from West Virginia, so I'll be in West Virginia. I'll be back for the Iowa State game, and of course I'm going to be in Vegas. Why not? I, okay, well now I'll be in Vegas too, so we may have to <laughs> we may have to hook up. Hey, I'll be there from Thursday to Monday. We go. We're going to oh, definitely have a drink. We're going to we're going to get each other's number a drink. All right. There you go. That's what I want to hear. So, so George, I wanted to take a second. I wanted to read the letter that Jack wrote. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of implications about this. Uh, that we've talked about about having conversations. I think there's a lot. Just even just, um some of the great things that Matt Campbell is doing uh, with the team about, you know, giving their all, I think there's a whole lot of implications going on, but uh, I took some time to read this earlier today and I felt impacted in a, in a couple different ways. Um, so I wanted to take a second 
Uh, it starts with, to whom it may concern, my thoughts just before the real college game of my, the first real college game of my life, the honor of my race, family, and self are at stake. Everyone is expecting me to do big things. I will. My body and soul are to be thrown recklessly about on the field tomorrow. Every time the ball is snapped, I'll be trying to do more than my part. On all defensive plays, I must break through the opponent's line and stop the play in their territory. Beware of mass interference. Fight low with your eyes open and towards the play. Roadblock the interference. Watch out for cross bucks and reverse end runs. Be on your toes every minute if you expect to make good. Um, so I read that, and obviously there's a lot of implications about football, right? And uh, about uh, being a player and him feeling a lot of pressure to do everything he can uh, to be the best player. But there's also just kind of a lot of general kind of life advice in there too about, you know, you know, fight low with your eyes open towards the play. <laughs> My whole body and soul are, are about to be thrown about recklessly. I think there's something else kind of in that letter. Um, what, when, like the first time you read that letter, what, what were you feeling? Race, family, and self. Um, you know, so I heard a story before I read the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you hear a story, about you know his his the, the trek that what it took to get there to Minnesota, where he couldn't ride on the same train car, mm-hmm. couldn't eat in the same restaurant, stay in the same hotel because of the, that 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 time that era, um, you know, and for him to to sit there in his room by himself, probably in like a, a shack type of a hotel with lower accommodations, and you think about for a, a person of that that age to write something like that. For that to be on the mind of a young person back in that day, um, it was, again, you know, it, the feelings, the emotions you have to play your real first game, whether it's college, high school, junior high, little peewee, whatever, you're going out there and you're nervous um, and a lot of eyes are on you. And when you're the only, when you're the only black person, uh, when, you, when you have X, Y, and Z against you, um, that is really you know, where you feel what he's feeling as a, as a human, whenever you're about to do something that you've never done before and you read that letter and take out the race, family and self, if you want to, but everything else hits everybody. Um, and and I, I think that's just profound again, for a young person to think that way, to write that, to, um, to know what he has to do. Um, it goes back to, um, what would black people still have to do to this day? We have to, to fight harder. We have to work twice as hard to get the same recognition. Um, and I don't like talking about Urban Meyer and the Ohio State, but, you know, working with Nationwide, we worked um, with his book, um, Above the Line, and we use it in a lot of different ways. But one thing he says is four to six, A to B. A football play is four to six seconds average, and it goes from point A to point B. So that's what you got to give your all for them four to six seconds from point A to point B and over and over and over again, looking at it that way and resetting. And that's what Jack was going out there looking at doing. I'm going to throw myself recklessly about the field. I got to do everything because I have to show them that I'm a human for one. I'm a football player for two um, and, and that I'm a beast. And that, that was really, you know, what that last part of it without him saying it was like, I'm, I, I'm the shit. 
and uh, can I say that on? I already yep. said it, so it's being recorded. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically what he was saying. It was like, you know, so yeah, you know, and, and he had to, you know. So I mean, listening to that letter, I, I read it on ESPN. They filmed me, and I get emotional with it every time. Like you know, thinking about that, thinking about somebody preparing themselves that way. Um, and I and and then for Matt Campbell to have that read before every game, and basically it's like their their tap out. Let me, let's tap this out before we go. So deep right and, and like he starts it off with to whom it may concern like this is not a letter written to anyone in particular mm-hmm. right this is a letter written to anyone right yeah. and you know and he finishes it with be on your toes every minute if you expect to make good mm-hmm. it like you said it's it's amazing so so this was 1923 what is he 1920 years old yeah 19 years old um you you talked about uh your extended period in college i can think about how long i I, like the decisions i was making at 19 i wouldn't have been nearly as insightful or uh profound or you know ready to tell the world hey i I have to face up to this and I'm going to face up to this and, and you be ready for me because I'm going to be ready for what's coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the, the, the short of it is we've gotten weak as a society. Every generation is weaker than the, than the prior. Um, you know, I talk about, you know, I'm eating dirt and drinking from the water hose and all that stuff. And, you know, getting a cut, getting back up and going out there, putting a bandaid and running out back out. Uh, being outside to the streetlights run on. Um, mom says, be home when the streetlights run on. Okay, I'm on my bike. What you want for Christmas? Uh, my bike needs a new tire. You know, I got, I got to go outside. I got to play football. Um, so you do that, you come home, and then you do what you got to do. Um, and then you look at the kids these days, they're on their tablets, on their phones, um, you know, having thumb wars on Twitter and, and you know, talking on video games and things like that. We've gotten weak as society. When you woke up back in, in that time frame, before he came to college, he was on a plantation. Family grew up on a plantation. He had work to do. When he was with his aunt and uncle, they had work to do to, to eat. They had to go, you know, feed feed the animals. They had to go tend to the gardens. Um, so he had so much more on his plate, you know, to make good, as he says, and to do better and to be on his toes. So he had to be at that level. Whereas we've gotten comfortable because I have a job to do. I, I know I have as long as I'm in. Back then, it was it was so different. So for somebody at that age, yeah, they 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 realized what they had to do and what was on their plate because of the time, um, and because of what their parents had to go through and to make better and make it easier on them and their kin as they go forward. Yeah, it was profound. I think in that letter, as Tim read it again, I thought to myself a couple of times. It's almost as if it was written after what happened because it was so predictive of what was going to happen of uh, I think in there when he talks about how he knows it's going to be hard there's going to be obstacles and and the thing that struck for me was is it just seemed to me like he had the weight of his entire family on him on that one game and the and the pressure of of that on a young man uh, and for him to break his collarbone on the second play of the game, I think is what I read. And then to continue to go in and play 
in a society where they probably didn't appreciate him, right? The, 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 but for him to still sacrifice all that is just mind-boggling in today's standards. Yeah. Um, he was he was out there. The the athletes of their day maybe are out there for themselves. They want to they want to make a better a better life for them and their their direct family. And what Jack was saying when he said race, it was more than his family. It was, you know, because all eyes were looked at him as different. You know, times have changed where athletes don't have to, they don't have to make a statement anymore. They have to get to that next level because there's so many people competing for that level and they're not just playing for fun anymore. They're playing for, you know, that next level contract where back then he was playing for something different. The, the end goal was different. It wasn't the NFL contracts that he was playing for. It was for a sport that he loved, a sport that was helping him to get an education, to take things back. He was utilizing it as a true student athlete and using that that platform as such. All right. The honor of my race, family, and self are at stake. Everyone is expecting me to do big things. I will. Exclamation point. Right? Like, not only is he acknowledging that there's a a there are larger than life expectations, right? Like anybody who goes out for their first game feels a lot of pressure and feels a weight on their shoulder. I don't think he, he realizes uh, maybe entirely the gravity of it, but I think he, he's, he's clear that like what's happening is something that is unprecedented and uh, he's ready to prove everyone Everyone who believes in him, he's ready to prove right. And anyone who believe, who uh, believes against him, he's ready to prove wrong, right? Like, he's ready. And that's what's kind of amazing is there's that much weight on his shoulder. And he's acknowledging that. And he's just ready to go. Yeah. I mean, if you think about in the middle, dead of winter, and you got to travel to a game. And let's say it's, it's, a, it's a dead of winter. You got to travel to a game. Um, the plane runs out of gas and you got to make emergency landing. Then you got to take a bus and the bus runs out of the bus runs out of uh, a gas. And then you got to, you got to take a whole bunch of cars, teams and a whole bunch of cars to get to the stadium. You look at, you look at the the path you go to do that. And I, I equate that to you look at the path that it took to get to that game. You had to fight through this, not being on the same train car, like I said, not being in the same hotel, not being with his team the night before, not being able to sit and have dinner with them and game plan and be a team. And to face all that and sit there by yourself, you have a lot of time to think, you know. And so to sit there and be able to think and to be able to do that, way ahead of his time. Very mature young man. And and better, I think, than what I would be nowadays if I was shunned in a certain way and not able to to have the same rights as everybody else or whatever. I I would not. I, just, I don't know how to express it because I, I, I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I'm a white male. I'll never, I'll never know in my life what it's like to be a black man pulled over and maybe scared or, or not, or looked at a certain way or being in an elevator and somebody taking two steps away because they don't, all those things. I, I don't have any idea. Uh, I know if I was just shunned, it, it it, with my coworkers and and they didn't want and I couldn't be around them to do certain things or whatever I'd be angry and resentful and for him to not even have that is beyond comprehension for me 
no, and now I'm gonna tell you, he was angry. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just like you would be angry. He was angry. You know, you you have to you have to hide those things. Really, honestly, you have to hide them and suppress those feelings um, because they're not going to do you any good. Anger is not going to do you any good. And so, for him to think on a positive note, I think that's more so why he wrote that letter. It's to not be angry about what was about to happen or what had happened to get him there. Because if you play angry, you play sloppy. Your mind's not there. You got to have an open mind, open heart when you're out there. Because if you're angry, something's going to go wrong. You're going to do something wrong. You're going to you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to do something you didn't mean to do. Um, and then you you are you are not going to be controlled. And so I think that really is where he had to write that letter to himself to to suppress his anger um, of the times and what it took for him to get to this first game because he went from Tennessee to Oberlin, Ohio, to Ames, Iowa. You know, he had a trek to get there over some years. For sure. Well, well uh, George, we've taken up a lot of your time. I do want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the Trice Legacy Foundation. Um, talk about what you guys have going on. Uh, talk about the the the, uh, the scholarship fund. Um, anything else that might be going on? Anything else you, you want to talk about this is kind of your platform to to tell us all about what the foundation is all about yeah so i so i will i will start it off about why i did it you know we know why jack wrote the letter what he was about to go through that day um what was the catalyst for me was someone tagged me in a post next um iowa state track star uh tagged me in a post on facebook where someone was comparing um jack trice and george floyd so this was march of last year and I got in there and I started to read through it. And I, I typically don't read through all comments. And this one, because I was tagged in it for a purpose, like they were like, what are your thoughts? And I read through all the comments on there. And I told the person who started, I said, don't ever put my cousin's name in with George Floyd. And that's kind of how I started. I was a little more polite than that. But, but what, I, what I was saying to him, what I explained to them in that post was, Jack went out there and gave his life knowing that he was facing an adversary, adversity that day when he went out on that field. He knew what he was going into when he went out there that day, and he was on there on a whole other path. He was doing it for his family self um, and his race. When George Floyd went out, he went out and was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and something tragic happened to him. So their deaths are not the same. Mm -hmm. And so as I thought about that and thought about this conversation, I said, I have to do something more than me. And so I started the Jack, the John Jack Trice scholarship fund and I had no clue what I was going to do with it. I was like, I'm just going to Ray, I'm going to go on Facebook. And I said, Hey, I'm starting a foundation. Does anybody want to give me some money to start this fund, to start the scholarship fund? And I had to take that first, those first funds and get an email address, get a website, get a logo. It, it, it took all the money that I got from, from that to kind of get started. And then I had some great donors that gave um, some, some money to me to help start this because they were um, willing to help me and they had the funds and the means to do it. And I said, oh, you know, so quickly I got about thirty about $30,000 total overall, not, not what, including what I spent, but $30,000. i am like, okay. Then I started working, you know, I'm not affiliated with Iowa State. What do I have to do to be more in sync with Iowa State because I have this connection? And so... Um, to get a scholarship endowed, you need $50,000. Mm -hmm. 
And so I need to raise about 20 to 25,000 to be comfortable to get it endowed with the university and start to go down that process. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Iowa State was good for me. It was great for, for me to grow up in that environment and learn. And I want to support my cousin's name and make it hashtag. It's more than just football. That's the hashtag I use. So if everyone more than just football, I was upset with Iowa State when they moved the statue back to the middle of campus. When you go to an Iowa State football game, you're not going to the middle of campus. So yeah. put it on that big hill in front of Vet Med so that when people are tailgating and drunk, at least they can see the statue there, you know, <laughs> while you're redoing the, the Jake building. But put it close so people yeah. can see it. And so I'm like, you know, all right, I'm, I'm starting this. So I have that money set aside. But as I was doing it, I was contacting people and I threw out some names to you all before we started the broadcast that I know from other universities, other businesses that have nothing to do with Iowa State. And so that's where the Trice Legacy Foundation came in. So I'm still funding the, the scholarship fund, and I'm trying to get that endowed with Iowa State and turn that over so that I can work to still make money with that. So people can go to Amazon, smile, and put in John Jack Trice Scholarship Fund. It'll come up and 0.5% of donations go there. Or you put the Trice Legacy Foundation in the same thing, and it goes to the foundation. The foundation offers scholar, different scholarships to other universities. Still same criteria of people in need, but everybody doesn't want to go to Iowa State, and I have to understand that. If Everybody doesn't want to give money to Iowa State, and I understand that. So if it's an HBCU, a trade school, someone needs computer money, uh, someone needs internet money, whatever the case may be, the foundation houses the scholarship fund for Jack Trice in Iowa State, but it also will hold a general scholarship fund so that we can give people opportunities to go to other schools if they choose to, if they meet the same criteria. Um, and in the fall, in September, September 10th, I'm doing a cherry golf outing at River Valley Golf Course in Adele. Um, I know the owners of that golf course from college. Um, and so I'm doing the first event there where it's a 50-50 split. 50% of the proceeds will go to the John Jack Trice Scholarship Fund, but 50% will go to the Legacy Foundation. The Legacy Foundation, again, houses leadership programs and mentorship programs. So we'll have some ex-Iowa Staters, and I'll, I'll throw their names out there. We have people like Reggie Hayward, James Reed, Marcus Pfizer, trying to get J.J. Moses to call me back. J.J., call me back. You know, <laughs> I know you know me. Seneca, you know, up opening a wing stop up there, but Seneca, um, you look at uh, Stevie Johnson. Oh, he's out in California. Mike Nurse, Mike, Mike's Magic Meets up in New Jersey. These guys have done some things um, in their life for sports. And I have some non-sports people. I'm, I'm throwing the sports people out there because that's who you know. But I have some other Iowa State folks that are here that are doing business, that have done um, nonprofits, that are have taught people to do different things that are involved with me to help me to grow this and to, to provide these programs because it's nothing worse than if you get a scholarship for two for $10,000 over four years and you have no support after that. There has to be a mentor. There has to be somebody holding your hand and say, let me help you continue all four years and finish. And you pay it back. The next scholarship award winner, you have to be their mentor and guide them through it. And so it pays it back over and over. And the more money we get, the more people we can give, give scholarships to and build that network not about generational wealth, but helping people to get to where they want to be and what they want to do. And as Jack Slitter said, achieve big things. And I on the website, johnjacktrice.org, it says, I will help students do big things. Will you? You know, because I'm going to do this. 
this has helped me connect with family that I had not talked to ever. There's some trices mm-hmm. that have come out the woodwork because of this that I'm like, they're like, oh, I used to go visit your mom. And I, I remember where you and you were like six months old. And I don't know these people, but I've, I've met family through me building this because this is not about me. I'm leading it. But I have a board of people from all over Iowa State in different capacities that are helping me to, to do this. Um, but we want to just give back to people and, and support Iowa State and other schools. And so that's why we're having the charity uh, event for the golf tournament the Friday before out at River Valley at 1 o'clock. Um, if you go to the website, johnjacktrice.org, a pop-up will come after about three seconds. You can click that link to either be a donor, be a volunteer, or to play golf. Looking for all that. Um, I'll have some memorabilia signed by some of our Iowa Staters and be doing some silent auctions, but doing some fun things there in relation in relation to uh, sporting sporting events. Um, and I'm trying to throw a tailgate possible for the Iowa Iowa State game as well. Um, if I can get Seneca to get some chicken from. Uh, wing stop that may be good but if not I'm gonna I'm drag my smoker out and I'll be smoking some briskets and stuff like that and you know we're gonna we're just trying to raise money for this because I'm not getting paid my board's not getting paid we're all volunteering for this and it's just something we're passionate about um, and if I can help somebody um, to get to a better place and, and not do something stupid out on the street my, I had the fortune of moving further and further out to the suburbs because I was doing stupid stuff, getting in trouble. And my mom was like, you are not going to embarrass me. We're moving. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry, Bob. So, you know, I, I ended up going to an all, basically an all-white high school, 1,400 students, less than 100 black students, met some great people there, made some great um, great acquaintances and great friends. Um, but I had those opportunities. Some people don't get those opportunities. So I want to give back. to, And that's my whole purpose in this. Um, it's not about me. It's about more than football. It's about Jack's name and trying to get that momentum going. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like all the stuff we're talking about happened last year. I'm trying to keep it going through 2022, his senior year of high school through 2023, um, the anniversary of his 100th year anniversary of his death. Well, just a couple of things. First of all, I love the fact that that it's tied to that mentorship and that those kids come back and then we'll help the next one and so on. That's that's a great idea that never would have occurred to me in, in something like that. Um, on a personal note, I am part of a local chapter of the Knights of Columbus here in this small town that I live in in Norwalk, just south of Des Moines. And I am the chairman of our um, scholarship fund that we put on here. And it's just simply a little dinner and dance that we do in a small auction and on average, out of that little auction, we probably give anywhere from fifteen to $16,000 scholarships. And the number one right criteria that we wait most on is financial need. So you're kind of speaking my language. So uh, I would just like to offer my services. I would love to, to, to join on with you and help you in any way if you have a spot. Um, I'd be happy to do that. And, and we'll touch base after after we, uh, the call here, and I, I would love to volunteer for the golf, uh, and, and, and work it with you. So I, on a I side appreciate note, that. I do have, I do have access to a, to a, to a rag bride bus. If you're thinking about hooking up some kind of a tailgate for the Iowa state game, we have that bus reserved to come up there. So, okay. Talk about that too, but, 
Uh, hey, I, I'm I'm looking for all kinds of opportunity. I I, I uh, put a request in for Cy and a cheer squad to come to the uh, golf event. I don't know if they're going to be busy or not, so I'm putting that. I put it out there, and they have a website you can go out there. So they can yeah. cheer someone as we're going out there hitting the horrible shots off the first tee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you watched me golf? Is that what that was? I feel like I feel. Yeah, I saw that on YouTube. I, I saw your video. I feel attacked. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing in a tournament this Saturday for a charity. And uh, it's my wife who played, who played a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter and her boyfriend who have never played a lick in their life. And somehow I'm playing with those two. So it'll be a complete shit show. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I, 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 hey, I want to see that one. Um, is, hey, do you know Joe Albrecht? You know Joe Albrecht? I know who he is. I don't yeah, know. Okay. Because he's in, he lives in Norwalk. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. Yep. So he, I know. He I actually used... is a member of my church. I just have never met him. <laughs> yep, I I figured that it's a small world, small world. Yeah. Literally everyone I know apparently lives it in in Norwalk. I I've I've slowly found oh, that that Chris and I know Norwalk, like I know like ninety percent of the people Chris knows. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim and I have never met, but we have three mutual friends. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, you all have never met in person? No, no. no we no, hooked up no. on this on this no. on the Tailgate Society. Uh, about uh what in august of last year and yeah. we just we figured out that we were t- the two oldest guys on the entire team so we uh, <laughs> let's, do a, let's do a podcast hey i like it i like it <laughs> yeah no, absolutely listen i always i always ask one question at the end of these uh so what is your definition of success and by that definition who's the most successful person that you know My definition of success is really simple. Uh, and it's something that I, when I lead people or mentor people, it's always about doing one more than you did the day before. You took 10,000 steps that yesterday, take 10,001. But always try to be improving and taking that next step every single time. Um, because I think that these, those little incremental wins are those wins. Um, I don't, I don't have a person, um, that I would say is about success, but I do always talk about Colin Powell and his definition of leadership. And he has a two and a half minute video that I always show when I take over a new team as a manager or a leader. And he talks about, um, leadership and you know, you're a good leader. If your people follow you, it's just not out of curiosity. He talks about not showing that you're hungry, tired, or weak because your team will show they're hungry, tired, or weak. And you're a leader if they'll follow you around the deepest, darkest corner, if not just out of curiosity. And so I think that a a person that's successful has a following of people that are going to trust them to lead them through it, no matter what's around that corner. Um, And I don't see many people doing that today. You know, you know, your MLK, you know, your black history, you know, that. You know, a Colin Kaepernick. Um, I don't know the gentleman's, uh, the football player that just came out. as a, He's the second openly gay um, football player. We, we don't talk about uh, what Michael Sam. Mm-hmm. They haven't talked about Michael Sam. Michael Sam came out and yeah. he was the first. He was the first, but he was a yeah. black guy. We're, we're not going to go there. But, <laughs> um, but, but this, new, this new guy is active. Yep. But, you know, you, you got to take steps and, and, and be successful in taking those steps. And so, you know, I just think that anybody that is, is taking the steps to do better than they did the day before is a person of success in my life. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. I was going to say that is, that is very well spoken. I, I, I always believe that like good leaders 
uh, rally people around a better future? Yes. I mean, there's, there's managers and there's leaders. Managers say, I have a task at hand. You have to do this task. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. I don't care anything about you. The, the leader shows you, hey, I'm in here with you. I've done that job and I know what it takes. And I'm here with you through this. And we're going to get through this together. I'm the leader. Follow the leader. And I'm not going to lead you astray. Yeah. That's, that's really what it's about. No, absolutely. Well, George, thank you very, very much. Uh, is is there a website you want to direct people to? Yes. www.johnjacktrice.org. That is the website that you can find out about what we do. You can make donations. Um, all donations are helpful um, from a dollar up, 50 cents up, whatever it is. Um, that's where you can find it. We're still updating the website. Again, this is all happening during the pandemic. But johnjacktrice.org, you'll find information about the um, golf tournament. Um, I'll have shirts. I'm going to be selling some polo shirts with the logo. Logo, you camera, yeah, that logo right there. <laughs> I got. I have polos for sale. That part of the proceeds, most of the, all the proceeds go to the foundation. Um, outside of the cost of the shirts, but you know, we're just trying to, again, we're trying to get the brand out there. I'm trying to get verified on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook at Trice Legacy, Instagram Trice Legacy. I need more followers so I can get it. Uh, the official badge. They won't give me the badge. I try every yeah, thirty I days. Gotta have a thousand likes. Or yeah, something. give me the badge. I need a uh, yes. I need a thousand likes. So from this get broadcast, on. just tell everybody to hit the button. Just push the button. <laughs> give me a like. <laughs> well, in the spirit of that, uh, we talked a little bit before we started to record. Um, is as modest as we are and as small as we are, uh, we're going to um, do a campaign in July. We're going to sell, we, we have all these old man strength sweatshirts and t-shirts and tank tops and so on. Uh, we have them in, in uh, Cardinal and gold. We do have them in black and yellow. We do have them in purple and yellow, but <laughs> we're going to see who has the best fans. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a little contest. We're going to sell those shirts and all the proceeds from those shirts are going to be spread out through three different charities. First charity is going to be the Jack Trice Foundation, Legacy Foundation. The other one is going to be Cedar Bend Humane Society, which is in Cedar Falls up by you and I. And then the third one will be the University of Iowa's Children's Hospital. So whatever proceeds we get from those for the entire month of July, uh, we will split those three ways and uh, we'll see if we can get you a donation. I really appreciate the work that you're doing and appreciate the support. Um, Without support from everybody, you know, none of this stuff's going to be possible. So, Well, you know, you were talking earlier how your wife um, gets mad at you because you stick something new in the corner or whatever. You realize you just now got me in trouble because I'm going to order one of those polos. <laughs> what the hell is in that? What the hell did you order now? <laughs> so yeah, I know. I, right now, I'm, I may need a place to stay. Yeah, I got, I got, I mean, I got my man cave for us. So we, we're, we're good. We're good. You know, and I'm hanging up my flag for September 2nd. I got my house divided, you and I. Iowa State flag to hang up because my wife is a Panther. So she's all right. Yeah, she's my good. wife all says, right. my wife graduated from Iowa State, but as she says, I went to graduate school at UNI. So they get some of my alumni money too. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, George, thank you again very much for being uh, a guest. Uh, so great to talk to you, get to know you a little bit more, learn a little bit more about the foundation as well. 
uh, we will go ahead and tweet out a link to the Legacy Foundation website so that all of our listeners and followers can go ahead and check that out. Uh, once again, this has been Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society. Please check out the Tailgate Society on the web at thetailgatesociety.com. A lot of great content from sports to pop culture to news to whatever, podcasts, articles. I, I think Chris and I might do a YouTube thing here at some point. We'll see what's going on, but please go ahead and check us out there. Check out our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Chris, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? I mean, other than the fact that we clearly have a face for radio, we're going to do a YouTube show at some point. So <laughs> I'm, sure the, I'm sure the subscriptions will skyrocket on that. Yeah. George, you can expect to get an invite back when we get that launched as well. So Hey, I'm ready. I am ready. Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, once again, I am Tim Johnson, joined by Chris Kripley with our special guest, George Trice, and we will see you next time. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this on my chest screen, bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original scene.